Hello, and welcome to another new episode of Musical World. On this episode, I talk with Michael Gordon Shapiro about his musical, Feast of Snacks. That opens on May 1st in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're also joined by the director of that production, Shannon Mahoney of the Nativity Players. And as usual, you'll get to hear musical excerpts from the show. Thank you for listening, and please tell your friends about Musical World. But right now, sit back, relax, but keep your eyes on the road, and enjoy Michael Gordon Shapiro and Shannon Mahoney and Feast of Snacks. Well, hello. We're talking to Michael Gordon Shapiro. Do you do you prefer Mike? Either way is fine. I use Michael because there are too many people with the same first and last name, but oh, feel free to call me Mike. True. And also Shannon Mahoney. Hi, guys. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> this is a, a project, Feast of Snacks, and it's opening tomorrow, which as we speak today, it's April 30th. Uh, tomorrow being May 1st, it's opening down in Cincinnati. Michael and Shannon, tell us a little bit about uh, the production that's uh, that's going to be happening tomorrow. Well, I'll defer to Shannon for the details of the production since she is uh, intimately involved with that. I could not be more excited to open tomorrow. We are ready. Lights are on. <laughs> Lights are focused. <laughs> We've got a fabulous band. Um, and we actually have been through tech rehearsals all week. So we did a double dress rehearsal on Saturday, dress on Monday, dress on Tuesday. Today I gave them the day off to rest. So um, tomorrow is our opening night. We will do Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday, and then next weekend we'll do the same Thursday, Friday, two on Saturday. Okay. Now, Michael, we're, Dave and Shane and I, as far as musical world, we're somewhat familiar with the show because we did it in our uh, reading series, Lighthouse Reading Series, like four years ago, um, back in 2010, I can't believe it's been that long. Has there been any changes or is it still pretty much the same show as it was back then? Or I'm sure you've made improvements and changes along the way. There have been some refinements to the books of the, uh, the many musicals that comprise Feast of Snacks. I think the dialogue's been refined here or there, and uh, there have been some tightening up, et cetera. I think the music, other than perhaps some of the details of the harmonies and strictly musical stuff, I think the music is more or less intact from the version in which – actually, no, I'm remembering there is a big difference now that I think about it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, this is out of context because I haven't really introduced to your listeners what the show is about, but True. there's one, one segment of the show uh, in the form when you read it in Dayton was a one-man show, uh, or one woman, I think, is the, how you as you ran it there. Okay. And uh, one of the short musicals that's part of the Feast of Snacks is, is called Greco-Roman, and it was, I believe, essentially a musical monologue. And subsequently, I expanded that into a piece for six actors, I think. So that one underwent a kind of a genre transformation, I think, a vast improvement, uh, partly informed by experiences like the, the Lighthouse reading. Okay. David, 
couldn't be with us today, but uh, he did send in some questions. He was wondering why, how, why or how did you choose the 10 to 15 minute structure as far as a musical setup? What's the basis for that? Sure. So to contextualize everything for your listeners, uh, Feast of Snacks is an anthology of six short musicals, each of which is theoretically 10 minutes, but in practice tend to be closer to 12 to 15. So it is a collection of shows that are unrelated except by authorship and perhaps to some extent musical style. Now to turn back to the original question, um, this whole project began as a series of essentially exercises that I was giving myself. I wanted to get some experience in writing for the theater and kind of get my feet wet. And I reasoned that rather than spend two to three years on something that may or may not work, why don't I emulate what people do in school, which is do things in short form, go through the process multiple times, get a relatively fast confluence of experience and feedback and getting better iteratively with each project. The short musical form also let me try out different genres and styles. You know, now I'm doing a rock musical, and now I'm doing something that's very traditional Broadway style, and now I'm doing something that's an homage to Gilbert and Sullivan, all in a very short time frame. So it's a really good learning medium for someone who, when I started out, was really, I was fairly bereft of experience. So it was very valuable in that sense. And A Feast of Snacks as a whole is essentially my taking these assignments and combining them to a uh, kind of an anthology that doubles as a full-length show. Very good. Uh, how about leading us into the first song we're going to hear? It's uh, Congratulations. Congratulations is the opening number for the opening short musical, which is called The Charmed Life. And this is a project I collaborated with, uh, with a writer named Mark Harvey Levine. Uh, Mark is a very prolific writer of non-musical, straight, uh, short plays. And he seemed like a very promising person to team up with when I was really starting out. So the premise is, the show is about a woman named Margie, and she has good luck. And she's always had great luck throughout her whole life. Things just always seem to go right. Things, things that we would consider menial chores seem to magically take care of themselves. Uh, she doesn't get parking tickets, or when she does, they're magically paid, and her house is always clean, even though she never cleans it. Just her, her world seems to be kind of magically blessed or charmed. And uh, as it turns out, the reason she's had this slew of fortune is that she's had a benevolent stalker who uh, <laughs> fell in love with her at a young age and has been secretly following her around and just making her life better. <laughs> the conflict of the show is, well, what do you do with a person like that who's been devoted to you in this very intimate fashion, but who you've never met really firsthand. <laughs> so the number is essentially uh, the world establishing song. It's establishing what's going on in her world before she realizes the cause of her good luck. <laughs> okay. From Feast of Snacks, this is Congratulations. Congratulations, you just won a brand new pair of shoes. Congratulations, you just won a brand new set of drapes. Congratulations, you just won a carton of shampoo. And an iPod. And a raffle. And a year's supply of grapes. Congratulations, your recent parking ticket was erased. Congratulations, your jury duty summons was recalled. Congratulations, your cat came back. He wouldn't stay away. And, and your neighbors with the loud and hyperactive kids who trample your petunias on their way to school are moving to Nepal. I have always been lucky. Incredibly lucky 
ineffably lucky, incessantly lucky. I wish it would stop. Congratulations. I always get the best seats in the house. Congratulations. I win a raffle every other week. Congratulations. I've never had a termite or a mouse or parking ticket or an audit or a single plumbing leak. Congratulations. I haven't bought a magazine in years. Congratulations. My house is filled with things I get for free. And to be completely honest, though I know I should be grateful, the entire situation's made me somewhat jittery. Excuse me? Hey, what are you doing? Installing your new satellite television. 750 channels, including one just about gazebos. I didn't order satellite television. It says here you did. Well, I didn't, so you'll have to go tell your people there's been a mistake. Lady, we get paid by the hour. We're not going anywhere until your undeserved satellite TV is installed. Think of it as a happy little accident. Congratulations. I never sweep the rug and yet it's clean. Congratulations. I never feed my fish, but they're alive. Congratulations. I know my luck can't keep up this routine and I keep waiting for some horrible misfortune to arrive. Congratulations. I know this crazy karma cannot last. Congratulations. I know my happy days will have to stop. Everything is balanced, something tragic's in the making and I'm going crazy waiting for the other shoe to drop. <laughs> okay, that was congratulations. Um... Shannon, now you are the director for this uh, show that's starting for the Nativity Players. Um, tell us about some of your involvement with, well, with this show, how you got involved, and also with the Nativity Players in Cincinnati. Sure. Um, I decided this year to pitch to be a director with the Nativity Players, and I'm a new director. I've never really had a chance to do it before. So I got online and I started doing some Googling to try to find maybe something that would be a little bit easier, similar to what Michael was saying. He didn't want to take on something so large. I felt sort of the same way when I was trying to decide what show to do. Mm -hmm. So I started to Google for one-act musicals or short musicals, and I came across A Feast of Snacks just in my Googling search. And I originally came to Climb the Smallest Mountain first. And I listened to each song, um, including Hour of Putman, and I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with the characters and the rock kind of poppy music. Mm-hmm. And that led me into researching more of the other shows. And I presented it to the theater company board um, a few months ago, and they loved it. They thought that it would be such a so, so risky because it's brand new and, and, and virtually unknown but so edgy and interesting that they wanted to give me a shot. So with that, we, we started production in January and we've been rehearsing since then and, and we're opening, opening tomorrow. So it's very, very exciting. Um, is, I definitely, is this something that uh, nativity players, it's not something normal for them to do new musicals. Is this something that they're kind of going in a new direction? This is truly a community theater organization, which mm-hmm. is actually sort of interesting because we're not one of those theater companies that thrives on new music or, or seeks out regional premieres or um, anything like that. I mean, last year we did The Wizard of Oz. The year before that, we did The Drowsy Chaperone. So we do pretty mainstream productions generally. Mm-hmm. But this year, I don't know what it was, but they gave me a shot to do something brand new, and everyone is really, really excited. That's fantastic. Just real quick, can you tell everybody how they can get tickets? Yes, actually. Um, we have an email address, which is the nativityplayers at gmail.com. 
We also have tickets available. Um, if you call our box office and speak with Jeannie, um, she can get tickets as well. We are doing $10 tickets with, um, with $8 for seniors and students. And then additionally, on Saturday, May 3rd, we're doing a special performance for $5 um, for anyone that does theater in the area um, to sort of do a, a brotherhood appreciation type of performance for those who have their own shows that are going on. That's a great idea. It's pretty exciting um, for a Saturday afternoon where a lot of people don't have a show at that point in time. Right. They'll be able to, to come. And the phone number for Jeannie is 513-720-3683. Okay. And I also, if you're driving as you listen to this, not to worry when you get home, go to musicalworld.us. I'll have all this stuff in the show notes so you can just click it and go directly there and uh, and order your ticket. Michael, can you... Uh, can you lead us into the next song, which is Hour of Putman? I certainly will, but I also want to take a moment to make a side note. How sure. cool is it that you can write a musical and set up a shingle on the web and have people just magically find out about you through Google? I mean, <laughs> I this is, what a great time to be writing new material because the, the problem of access and exposure, I wouldn't say it's a solved problem, but there's so many new possibilities. And Absolutely like this karma where you can make something that you think is cool and then people will just discover it. I mean, that, when has that <laughs> happened in the history of the arts? Uh, That's a really fact. Great. That's incredible, actually, and <laughs> you're right. You're... So that having been said, um, my gratitude for Google era, uh, our, <laughs> The Hour of Putman, the next song we're going to hear, is from a separate short musical, so it's not related to The Charmed Life, it's not related to Congratulations that we heard. Uh, the second musical uh, is called Climb the Smallest Mountain, and this is what I describe as a epic rock saga musical about miniature golf. <laughs> and it, it it takes place in a world where miniature golf is taken as seriously as top-tier professional sports are in our world. So there are badass miniature golf players. There are bad boy antagonist miniature golf players. That's kind of the vibe of the whole show. <laughs> so the the antagonistic miniature golf player is Miles Putman. This is a song where he, the villain, reveals himself and challenges the hero who uh, is a kind of beloved sports icon uh, celebrity that everybody is a fan of. And this is sort of him. This is Putman challenging the hero of the show. You thought you'd beaten everyone. Shoe in for hero number one. Your royal fingers deep in every slice of cake. You planned it all out in your head. Now it's gone a different way instead. Not keeping one eye peeled was Caesar's big mistake. And suddenly your hot streak's turning rather chilly. Now the heroes are crawling and the bridges are falling. It's the hour of Putman. Hour of Putman. And your world's spinning backwards. Well, my it's the hour of Putman. Hour of Putman. Here we go now. What is up with this guy? He wants revenge. Here's a video of you crushing him last year in Pittsburgh. Huh. Oh, yeah, right. Hey, that was a pretty sweet move. Hey, can you rewind that? Excuse me! Um, Winning 
came so easy for you. Big spotlight, wine and women too. You just assumed that you would always wear the crown. You swung your schemes with giant strokes. No care for dreams of smaller folks. And now a tiny man's the one who takes you down. I'm Samson's barber. I'm the shoehorn of Achilles. The assumptions are broken and incumbents are choking. It's the hour of Putman. Hour of Putman. And the meal sweetest when you've got revenge on the menu. It's the hour of Putman. Hour of Putman. Your time is up. Hi, I'm Lauren Kennedy, and you are listening to Musical World. The hands of fortune will never fold on Englishmen on English seas as one endeavoring to uphold the interests of his majesty. With trim mid topsails and hauled lines from London to Botany Bay, we follow the foamy brine. The Commodore leading the way. Yes, yes, our Commodore leading the way. The compass of noble souls An Englishman on English seas A central figure of starry roles In future naval histories So fire the cannons and aim them too And rebel till anchors away We travel the ocean blue Cause duties are cargo and death is a feather And home is a tower of canvas and leather So never the tether There's seafaring weather today Okay, we also heard seafaring weather. Tell us a little bit about seafaring weather. Seafaring weather is the opening song to yet another short musical in A Feast of Snacks, and the short is called HMS Headwind. <laughs> and as you probably inferred from the song, it is a thinly veiled homage to the Savoy operettas of Gilbert and Sullivan. I, although I'm not a fan of parody musicals, uh, I do like parroting a genre and uh, it's not it's not a takeoff of any particular gns musical it's just sort of an homage to the entire idea of the the bumbling seafaring captain uh the the ridiculous coincidences people pulling off masks everyone being related to one another all the archetypes of gilbert and sullivan and with it that sort of exuberant post-romantic uh theatrical operetta style so what you just heard is essentially the introductory number where the main characters are introducing themselves and this being a short musical i think it's all of a minute long <laughs> okay now i'm going to jump to one of the questions that uh dave had because dave is the deeper thinker of this group i'm more of the tech dude i can i can make a podcast and record it but uh he's the one that he's the brains <laughs> <laughs> He asked, what writers today do you most admire and who is doing work that really excites you? Well, in some ways, uh, in terms of musical theater, I am a reactionary. I uh, Actually, my first historical influence was probably Tom Lehrer. Uh, I listened to his musical theater-esque song satires when I was a mm -hmm. kid. And later on in life, I kind of imprinted on Andrew Lloyd Webber, uh, whose music I still love today, even though it is definitely not modernistic in any sense. Uh, I love his sense of the orchestra and mm -hmm. his uh, melodic orientation. In terms of what's coming out now, um, 
there's uh, fewer influences. I like, uh, I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly, but uh, John Lachusa, help me out here. Michael John Lachusa? Lacusa, thank you. Yes. I totally mangled it. I'm, I'm a fan of his work. One show I absolutely love in terms of contemporary musicals is a musical called Rocket Science uh, that won the Richard Rogers Award. Uh, it was composed by uh, Stephen uh, Weiner, unless it's Weiner, and it was based on the movie Rocket Science, which is about a high school student who enters a debate team despite having a huge stutter. And uh, I absolutely loved the show, and uh, I hope I get to hear more work by Stephen and his collaborators, because I, I just think it was uh, fabulous across the board. So that's, that's kind of a smattering of examples of, of contemporary okay. stuff. Okay. Um, Shannon, as the director, tell tell us a little bit about the cast that you have put together for for this production. How many? And and you also said you had a band. How many? How many in the band? Yes. Well, we have a band of four. We have uh, lead guitar, bass guitar, piano. And or keyboard and drums. Um, they're excellent, excellent local musicians who have volunteered their time. Um, we are also a cast of thirty. So a cast of thirty. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so that's pretty huge. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, we have the way that Nativity typically does auditions is that we, you know, pretty much everyone is accepted. It's just a matter of placing them. So we have everyone in the show is very talented. There are some that are, are a little bit stronger than others, as you would get in any kind of production. Um, and so we have a lot of characters are the same people, I would say. And then I've found a way to slide other people in <laughs> to other roles. So um, the woman who is playing Margie is also playing Kip. Mm-hmm. Um, Margie is in The Charmed Life, and Kip is the um, caddy in Climb the Smallest Mountain. So we've kind of split those roles so that there's a little bit more for her to do. And then for those who are not quite as strong from a singing perspective would have some of the roles where they wouldn't be required to sing. Um, So in the Congratulations Chorus, there's a few people who have solos, but people who are kind of just generally you know, good singers and actors, but not particularly stars, they would be, they would be in the congratulations chorus. So we have eight singing in that chorus. Um, and I'm trying to think of where else we have it kind of split. We also in, in, um, Greco Roman, we incorporated almost everyone walking through in the background where the freshman is talking about, um, making an announcement to ruin, ruin Blake's life. Um, we've, We've brought in all of the other actors from the other shows in togas walking behind <laughs> um, walking behind the action. So we've found a lot of ways to incorporate um, sort of a chorus to be part of the other scenes. Um, and something also interesting that I really wanted to do was include everyone in HMS because HMS Headwind is the very last show. Mm-hmm. It's the finale. So we actually have split the cast down the middle and half of them are pirates on Black Abigail's ship and the other half are Abernathy's crew. They all sing and dance and it's a full stage and the ensemble has great harmonies. It's a way to make sure that we incorporate as many people as we can. Sounds excellent. How about leading us into Frathead? Sure thing. Uh, There was mention of one of the shorts called Greco-Roman, and I think I alluded to it earlier. And this is a story about a college freshman 
who is under a lot of pressure to join a fraternity. It's the fraternity that his brothers went to and his dad was a founding member. And he finds out once he signs up as a pledge that he really doesn't fit in. So he has to decide whether he's going to follow the family tradition, which is exerting considerable pressure on him, or go his own way. And this song is sung by, as the title implies, the head of the fraternity, and he's addressing our hero along with his fellow pledges, and it's meant to give you a sense of just what he's gotten himself into. Each one of you is here to be a part of something bigger, to stand for one for all and all for one. Alone you're small and incomplete, you want to grow to be elite. Our brotherhood can show you how it's done. Each one of you is here because you want to own this campus. You tough it out with us, you'll get your shot. Like plebeians in ancient Rome. That's how he pronounced it. It's time to pledge to house and home. Embrace yourself for giving all you've got. Just think of us as elders in your new adopted family. Whose wisdom should always be obeyed. Your service drinks and mop the floor. Take abuse and ask for more And think about the lovely friends you made And I, I think you're gonna settle in just fine On the break, you mentioned, uh, Shannon, you mentioned that you had something you wanted to add. Oh, um, we do have 30 people in the cast. Um, one thing that I did add to incorporate a little bit more um, variety for the show, even there's already so much variety, but I wanted to include some dancing. And the show doesn't lend itself to a lot of the stage choreography. So I chose six different pop songs to introduce each show. And there's a choreographed dance with our dancers to open it up. Oh. Um, so it's, it's really fun. The very first one for Charmed Life, we're doing Lucky Strike by Maroon 5. And before Blunderman, or the alleged adventures of Blunderman, before we do Blunderman, we, we do a dance to Kryptonite. Of course, Shout before Greco-Roman. And then Climb the Smallest Mountain, we do um, Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> oh, cool. So, and we're actually doing a tap dance to um, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme before HMS. So it's a way to inco- to give people more to do. Right. Excellent. Well, is there anything else you wanted to add, Mike, about the, the show? Or? One of the neat things about doing an anthology is it gives the director a certain amount of creative freedom in exactly this way. You've got transitions between different shows, and, and quite a few of them, and this uh, sort of a little mini easel for the director to add some kind of signature to their own production. And it's interesting to see how different productions have approached the issue of how you do transitions or how you set up each show. And likewise, when you have an anthology, you have an opportunity to use larger casts because you could double up between each short musical or you could have a completely different cast between each short musical or you could do a mix and match as Shannon's doing. So there are are some unexpected advantages from production standpoint of doing this kind of project. Another question from David. He asked, well, he says the industry has changed so much 
where do you see the American musical theater being in 10 to 20 years? What's your thoughts on that? I'm reluctant to make anything beyond the most hand wavy speculations about that far <laughs> in the future. Uh, I mean, I, I really like the impact that the internet has had, as we were talking about earlier on giving a chance to new works because there's a kind of meritocracy that comes into play when anything is discoverable. And the, the problem of, of having some means of exposing yourself, uh, artistically speaking, uh, goes away. <laughs> Uh, I, That's I, a totally know, different show there. Right. I, mean, I know uh, I was talking a couple of weeks ago to, to Brian Laddermilk, and I think he was saying that Samantha Brown, his musical, got attention from a backer because the backer saw a video of one of the songs on YouTube. Sure. And it's the same phenomenon. You've got so, – so I think there's better chances for new works to find an audience than there ever has been. And I'd like to think that there will be a kind of leveling of the distinction between reliable old classics and promising new works in the future just because it's easier to find them. So I think that's the one prediction I'm confident of making about uh, how the future is going to look. I hope you're right. <laughs> Me too. Well, that's that's certainly the way I hope things go anyway. And as far as uh, in the next 10 to 20 years. And you're right. You made the observation that it's so much easier to be found on the internet now if you're looking for it, which is very important. And of course, we encourage everybody to go out and look for new musicals. Go see them. We're going to go out with a song called The Standard. Tell us a little bit about that before we get out of here. The Standard is the final song or semi-final song in Change of Plans, which is the one short musical in A Feast of Snacks that's a little more serious. And it's about a kind of a young, would-be Steve Jobs type, a tech entrepreneur who finds that his life doesn't really go in the direction that he thought it would. He's kind of burnt out in his mid-20s and just working a series of temp jobs. And he has this fairly unsatisfying romantic relationship. And he's a bit of a, a, bit of a stagnant period. And he stumbles upon his college journals and he reconnects with his younger self, the, the ambition and the drive and ideology of his younger days. And that helps him in his, 10 years later to make a decision about what to do with the rest of his life. So the songs in the show are all flashback songs. They're all excerpts from his journal that have been musicalized. They're from the younger, more idealistic him. And the song, The Standard, is, takes place when the hero in his younger days has got this crush on a girl and... The purposes of the story, it doesn't really matter whether or not anything comes of it, but he has this snapshot of his own attitude towards romance at a younger age, and that really is that's something he draws from when reassessing his own life. Okay. Well, it's been great talking to you. We're going to go out with the standard here from Feast of Snacks, and tell us again, Shannon, tell us where we can uh, see it and and where we can get tickets one more time before we get out of here. Okay, the Nativity Players are presenting the show this weekend, May 1, 2, 3, 8, 9, 10 as well next weekend. Tickets can be purchased through the Nativity Players at gmail.com as well as through our box office. 
and that phone number is 513-720-3683, and we will be in Cincinnati, just um, in the Pleasant Ridge area. Okay, great. Well, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for uh, thanks for getting a hold of us and reminding us that you're out there because it's such a fun show. Great. I'll also mention that you can go to feastofsnacks.com, one word, uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about the show. And I believe we have links to the Nativity Players production as well, so that's an indirect way if you want to access their website. Yeah, I'll have links to the Feast of Snacks webpage as well as uh, Mike's uh, webpage, Mike Music. Is that what it is? Mike Music. That's right. com. Yeah, I have links for that in the show notes. So if you want to get anything, musicalworld.us, and uh, you can get linked right up. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. I'm a pretty stable guy. How exactly have you done this to me? I'm unsteady from the sunlight But the evening's almost through If you'd fluttered at my voice Giggled, flirted, I'd have left contented But you simply smiled in silence Like you knew some secret, saw hidden future And from that point forward, I could only wonder how to make you see me too I'm baffled by a feeling that I've never known It's not a change in me No, it's the world that's shifted colors How did this happen? I was fine just on my own Alone within my head But where there once were battle plans Your smile is there, lingering instead Maybe you will touch my hand Maybe you'll obliquely sight your boyfriend Maybe we'll walk in the moonlight Maybe you won't be in sight Dice are tumbling in my head My heart is pounding from the possibility I'm leaping off a mountain But something tells me this confusion's vital This mad uncertainty, this racing pulse Is what it means to be alive Whatever happens now, this moment is my own My sight's been opened wide I now see what I've always wanted Once someone's felt this way, there's no returning home The standard has been set Knowing this is possible Rules out the choice of feeling something less Standard has been set, knowing this is possible, rules out the choice of feeling something less. Hi, it's Michael Gordon Shapiro, and you're listening to Musical World. This is Shannon Mahoney, director of the Nativity Players production of A Feast of Snacks, and you are listening to Musical World. Wonderful. Looking forward to that. That's I wish too I could bad you're not going to be able to get to Cincinnati. I know. 
<sighs> I have to be in Chicago for another concert, and the schedule's uh, conflicted, unfortunately. That's too bad because Chicago is so close to us. Yeah, yeah, you're only so, five hours away. Now I've got a, a concerto of mine is being played by the uh, Chicago Sinfonietta, Sinfonietta, and uh, I have to. Uh, I'm going to be there for that, and that just kind of throws my my whole travel. Yeah. That's pretty cool direction. too. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and the other thing is too. I mean, if you're going to be close by, I know that the cats love to do, and we are certainly happy to add a show for you to come. I mean, to whatever way we can. So. I think a pretty book. I'll, I'll double check just to make sure, uh, especially as you point out, you know, Californians don't know these things. They're like Chicago is close to Ohio. You know? <laughs> what <if we> know? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll double check and I'll see if there's any possibility. That's fabulous. Well, thank you so much for chatting. It was so much fun. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. See you later. Great talk to you. Take care. You too. Oh, good mm-hmm. night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Blueberry Network. You can find this and other podcasts just like it at Blueberry.com. That's Blueberry with no E's dot com.